Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the chart spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, welcome to another edition of the Austin Audible's podcast. This one, emergency edition. You got two podcasts today because the Oregon football program has secured another verbal commitment. It's 12th of the 2023 cycle, and that is Terrence Green, a four-star defensive lineman from Sidewoods High School in Cypress, Texas, all the way from the Lone Star State, gives his verbal commitment to the Ducks. He officially visited Michigan State. Uh, he'd also seen USC. Miami was a factor here. Uh, Texas was a factor here. Uh, this is a good get for Oregon. This is a big get for Oregon. Uh, moves them into 16th in the country, second in the Pac-12. They surpass Arizona, who previously on this show, we've talked about it. Arizona has like 19 verbal – or Washington has 19 verbal commitments, excuse me. Um, they're – a lot of the lower rated guys, that's why they're higher up. They're going to get surpassed by other schools. Just happened by Oregon. USC is within reach. Um, they are sitting at 14th in the country. But back to Terrence Green, guys, this is a really good get. And quite honestly, I look at him and think this is a guy who could potentially replace Brandon Dorless down the road. Yeah, it's in that kind of a body type, 6'5", 265. Um, Watching his tape, I don't know, Jared, if you disagree or not. He's not like super, super explosive. He's like a little bit stiff maybe, but he makes a ton of plays. Has, as we said, great frame at 6'5". I'll be curious to see what kind of the um, development is and what they want to turn him into because he's not like a DJ Johnson quick twitch guy at that size who moves sideline to sideline, super explosive. He's a little bit more of a slow starter in terms of acceleration, but – Really good size. I think you can see him being somebody who maybe is going to be a 6'5", 300-pound guy down the line. He's 265 pounds as a junior in high school right now. Um, I'm intrigued by him. You know, and, and we, we, we did a – well, I guess it's coming up. There was a podcast talking about the defensive line, and we were talking about some of the positions and how they all fit together. I'll be curious where Green fits into what Oregon is doing from a positional perspective. And, um, because I think he's versatile enough to play a couple of those different spots. Um, I know he's played a little bit of edge, and you can watch his tape. He plays a little bit of like a standing edge in high school. I don't think that's a great fit for him at the next level, because I think you've got guys who are probably a little bit more quick twitch, a little more explosive. But he's a, he's a big, strong, athletic guy that has a great nose for football and just seems like he's always around making plays. So I think it's a good addition. Oregon needed to go find some front seven players this cycle, um, especially on that defensive line. Um, I know they had Tatum Tuioti coaches and committed. This is also another guy that was recruited, you know, that has some ties to the Tuioti family because Tony was the primary for Terrence Green. Um, but I, I think this is a nice start. And now you're kind of curious where Oregon goes the rest of the cycle up front on defense because I do think there is going to be some need to add some players. You know, they, the defensive line in the upcoming season has almost everybody back, but a lot of those guys might be in their last season. Like I could see Popo, I mean, Popo Amabai is, I could see Brent Dorless mm -hmm. being in his final season. 
Um, Sam Taimani could be a guy who uses his end of his eligibility. Um, Casey Rogers and Jordan Riley are guys who are, are going to be done. So there's, I think, need to probably go out and add several players. And Green clearly is, is someone they prioritize. And it was good to get this one done right now. Definitely good to get this one done right now. Um, I like him as a player. I'm just going to run through some quick little notes that I took down while watching his tape. And uh, I'll remind everybody that this was a highlight tape. So no low lights. So only good things that happen with Terrence Green. Um, really big kid. Uh, 6'5", 265, like Eric mentioned. Um, he, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the camera angle, whatever it was, Eric. But uh, he looked huge on the field. Uh, he's he's a very big guy. And I think that's going to be a great thing for Oregon. Um I'd say that I thought that he didn't explicitly remind me of anybody on Oregon's roster, just like his body type. Um, I would say, I guess it's DJ Johnson's probably the closest just because he's 6'5". Yeah. And Norlis is significantly shorter than, than, than Terrence Green would be in DJ Johnson. Um, I don't, there wasn't a real like one-to-one kind of comparison, but I don't think that's a bad thing either. This could be a new type of body that Oregon is recruiting compared to years past. Um, wraps up well, uh, good pursuit. I thought that he lacked elite athleticism. Um, certainly a good athlete, but just wasn't off the line really quick. That's immediately under, I said, may become an interior lineman at one point. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought he was really good at getting off tackles in the run game um, and filling up holes and filling up gaps that running backs might have. Um, in the highlights, there, he, I thought he did a good job in RPO circumstances and staying with either the quarterback or the running back, depending on what it was. Um I only saw him play with a hand down once in his highlight tape, which I thought was kind of interesting given his size. Um, another good, not great jump off the line. Uh, sturdy physique could be a day one impact guy because he's just huge. And like Eric mentioned, there's a lot of guys who could be leaving. And if Oregon decides to move him to an interior defensive line position, you know, bringing in a kid who's, so I got a whole high school season to go who's already 6'5", 265, who could get up to 6'5", 280, 285 in the next year. I mean, I think that's putting it lightly. Um, I think with his physique, and it looked like just his strength, um, he could be somebody who could make an impact as a day one guy, even though his, I guess his recruiting ranking isn't as high as you would see for a typical day one impact guy. But um, I just think with his physique and his play style I think he could he could do something you know immediately when arriving to campus I was just gonna say I, I think this is a guy and happy Jared brought that up that there's a good chance he plays as a true freshman uh in 2023 and I think more than just the four games that they're allowed before redshirting um it I don't think it's a lock but it's certainly yeah it, I don't it, think it's a lock either but yeah it it's certainly there though and the, the, these are the types of recruits I think that the different that that are the difference in you being a school that competes for the Pac-12 championship and a school that competes for a college football spot. Because when you can go out and you can land these four-star guys, and I'm not trying to slight him in the slightest at all, but when he's kind of like your middle-tier prospect that you that you sign for this class. That means your class is really freaking good. And this is about where he's at. He's in the middle of of the pack for Oregon's commit list of 12 guys now. And if that kind of holds true, you're just – the water level is rising for talent at Oregon. And this these are the types of guys that you have to find, you have to land, especially along the defensive line because Oregon just – 
they're in a region in the country where there's not a lot of these guys. And to go and get one that had Michigan State's always a solid defensive program. Auburn always produces good defensive linemen. They've a, they're a school that has offered. Uh, you look at other schools like Texas, like Utah, they've offered scholarships as well. Miami has offered a scholarship. The, the list of schools that have gone after him, you have to be pretty impressed. And look, I understand Oregon's Oregon. If they offer a guy, it probably means it's pretty darn good. But they've beaten out some other schools that produce good defensive linemen. And it comes from an area that, quite frankly, Oregon's had mixed success recruiting Texas for a long time. I was just going to go right there, Matt. How about this? 12 commitments and three of them are from Texas. And they're all, and they're all, I believe, four-star prospects, right? Or, I, Tyler Turner is still four-star. I can't remember yes. if he recla- changed the ranking. So. Um, yes. so that's, I mean, that's that's significant. I mean, Ashen, the other ones being Ashton Cozart, wide receiver out of Flower Mound, and then as I just said, uh, Tyler Turner out of San Antonio. All three four-star prospects. Be interesting to find out the last time that they signed three kids from the state of Texas that were all four stars. Last year they had at one point did have three from the state of Texas. They didn't sign those players because Chris well left and they lost a couple of them. I think almost all of them, but I'll be curious to see how much of a trend this becomes for Oregon and this staff. Um, one of the things that was talked about a lot when landing arrived here was the ability to be um, a national brand recruiting, but I think you can't be a national brand unless you have connections all across the country. You can't just say, yeah, we're, we're going to recruit the country without having connections there. And Matt Pallage, a lot of history in Texas. Um, I know it's the other side of the ball, but Drew Maringer, a ton of experience in the state of Texas. That probably doesn't play here, but like I'm, I'm, I'm you know, Tosh Lupoy hasn't explicitly coached in Texas. Neither is Tony Tuioti, but they've coached in areas that are, are relatively close to that and obviously have some experience down there. So, um, you know, there's other guys in the staff with, with similar experience level you know, to kind of that region. So uh, clearly Oregon is going to make an effort in Texas. And I think it's pretty notable that they go out and already have three, four stars committed and, Green is somebody who I, I really like, and actually, I just pulled up a story I wrote because I, I forgot. I, I was like, I, I, I spoke to him. I go right to the source of where they're recruiting him. He said that they, uh, this is his quote, they see me being versatile, but primarily as a big end, like a stud end. That's how they see me. That's good to know because NFL scouts want you to be versatile. So there's a quote from Terrence he gave me back in uh, July. Thank you, Terrence. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's about what I would expect them to do as well. Um, yeah, I think he'll be – Somebody who's a hand hand down, hand up kind of guy. Um, I again, I with with Oregon's kind of shift to uh, desiring speed in their players. You know, hiring Jaworski Beckham along with, with with Coach Love as as a strength coach. I I think there's a chance that Oregon could unlock some speed into him, some just some natural athleticism, some explosive explosiveness off the line, and I think that he could he could continue to be like a, a, a hand up guy and kind of an edge rusher in that DJ Johnson mold. Um, I, I do really like Terrence Green as a prospect. And I do think it's important that Oregon continues to go into Texas and get a couple guys. Um, they're probably not going to get the top dudes in the state because, you know, there's, there's Texas that's going on a nice little run right now because of Arch and there's every other school in the country trying to get these top guys in Texas. So Oregon is, you know, going to have a hard time doing that. But um, you know, I take a 
Oregon will gladly take a four star from from Texas, whether it's from the Dallas area or San Antonio or Houston, whatever the case may be. Um, I think all three of the guys that are committed to Oregon right now from Texas are solid players. Um, I'm excited to see Ashton Cozart, you know, former Oklahoma commit. Um, and again, Tyler Turner, great name, safety, hard hitter. Really like him as a prospect. I'm not sure where he'll end up in the recruiting rankings, but I think he's somebody who who plays hard enough and plays well enough that I think he could earn a bump one day. Um, again, I think this is a solid incoming class for Oregon so far. I think there's plenty of time left, and I know that a lot of kids are already committed stuff like that, but there's still plenty of people that are on Oregon's radar that are talented players who can help you know earn the class a couple more spots. Um, it should be a fun finish to the year and then you know they're just starting a football season so if Oregon goes out there and has you know a 10 and 2 and 9 and 3 season and showcases under landing that this is the place to play with a defense um that could really help them in the long run so so real quick before um we really wrap this up because it's a big commitment but nonetheless I, I think there was this idea that Oregon was in an, a, a dry spell. And, yeah, it, it felt like it a little bit from a recruiting standpoint. Look at what Dan Lanning has been able to accomplish. Um, when Eric brought up the fact that they've got three verbal commitments in the state of Texas, we'll start there by itself. Like that alone is pretty darn impressive to have three guys committed that far away and be impact guys. They've landed two five stars in the 24-7 sports rankings and Dante Moore, Jurion Dickey. Um, they've landed now with Terrence Green, a top 20 defensive line commit in all-time program history. Um, they've signed who's the top play or ever signed with the Ducks um, in a previous class last year. So I just look at recruiting, and while July was a rough month, it was and today August 1st and it's starting off with a bang for Oregon and it could be a very good month for Oregon down the road with a couple other guys maybe close to making some decisions and so I just wanted to go big picture here for a second and just we didn't have doubts the staff would 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 struggle on the recruiting trail and we're seeing it pay off in, in, a, in a really big way for Oregon and green is just the latest example of that. Yeah, I, I do think it's it was fair to have some concerns because it was a really rough month month of July. Um, I'm still not sure. There's a couple positions. I'm, I'm not sure what the future is, it's like especially offensive line and tight end, where you just don't have a whole lot of – I mean, Bryce Bolton was here, offensive line at Saturday Night Live. I think that's a take. I was impressed by his athleticism, narrow shoulder guy, and like kind of different body type than I'm used to seeing. Like Maybe he's going to be like a Matthew Harper type, but he's certainly not – Jared and I spent some time talking broad shoulders amongst offensive linemen at Pac-12 media. Oh, yeah. Like a, a Jackson Kirkland walks in and then an Alex yeah, Forsyth. Lord. Yeah. And then Alex Forsyth walks in. You're like, those are just different species of person. Um, both in fits closer to the Forsyth than the Kirkland body type for sure. But that's a guy you might take, but I, there's not a whole lot of clarity there. And the tight end is even less clear. I mean, CJ Jacobson was a standout, but he still doesn't have SNL, but he doesn't have an Oregon offer yet. And I don't know really where they're going to go there. I mean, there's, they had Deuce Robinson reportedly was on campus, um, but there's some momentum towards Louisville. I, all that to say is I understand why there were some concerns, but 
certain position groups and certain parts of the team, I think you feel really, really good about where you're at. I mean, at quarterback, at running back, and at receiver, you're in awesome shape with players currently on the roster and players committed. On the defense, I think you really like what you started to see here, especially in the secondary. I mean, I think that's considered by most people to be the biggest concern on the roster currently, but they've gone out and, and added some really top-tier defensive backs, and I think that's something you have to be encouraged by. So, no, I understand concerns. People expect this class every year, the expectations to be like a top-five class, top-six class, something like that. That's going to be really hard to accomplish, and it doesn't help that there's uncertainty about conference realignment. We've seen sure. that a little bit. But, like, I think all in all you feel – solid about where it's at. My guess is this class probably falls a little short of some of the expectations, especially the expectations that were set after the June official visit period. Like yeah. I don't know if this class gets to be probably isn't going to be inside the top ten. Maybe it is ten to fourteen range. Like I don't think that's out of a possibility. But I think the the likelihood of this being a top seven best class in program history is probably pretty close to out the window unless Mateo ends up committing and then you end up flipping a five-star here or there kind of thing. Because some some of the top prospects, like a Richard Young going to Alabama, that was kind of – Oregon getting to that range was sort of contingent on a player like that. Yes. Yeah. And that's not going to – well, unless it changes, that's not happening now. Yeah. I mean, there's there is no reason to be disappointed with a top 14 class. Um, I think, you know, Eric, you mentioned the expectations were, you know, always a top 10 or something like top seven. And it's just – that's really – again, it's really, really difficult. And it becomes, frankly, it becomes even more difficult during the NIL era where a team theoretically could pay for players and sign a really good draft, a really good signing class. Um, it'll happen. And it's just really hard for um, anybody to compete with that. Um, you know, I think Oregon has set themselves up very well with the NIL implications and with their division street. Um, I think that will help them down the future. But them and everybody else, uh, everybody who wants to be a top tier contender, it's going to do the exact same thing. And then it, sometimes it just comes down to where a kid wants to go to school. Uh, you know, Oregon Hart tried their hardest with Richard Young, picked Alabama. What are you going to do? He picked Alabama. Um, but again, I, I, I think none of us really thought um, there would be recruiting difficulties with this new staff. And it's shown through the, through the first, I don't know where are we at, nine months, 10 months now. Of, of of Oregon having a full staff that you know they're they're going to be just fine in the recruiting trail. I'm I'm not worried about that. Um, it may not be a top ten class like everybody wants, but again, you still have you know two five star commits so far this this in this 2022 or excuse me 2023 cycle. You landed a five star in the 2022 cycle. Um, there are plenty of more options. Yeah, you still have Mateo Uyunglele, but you know we'll see where that ends up. Um, and there's you know you're kind of worried about where the offensive line looks like what Eric was mentioning earlier. Um, but elsewhere you're really set for uh, the upcoming years, a lot of underclassmen, a lot of incoming guys, cornerback, especially, but uh, you know, Adrian Clen won Pac-12 recruiter of the year a couple of years ago at UCLA for a reason. Um, I, I have trust in him. It's not the greatest of offensive line cycles anyway, in 2023. Um, it'll be fine. It'll just keep moving forward. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Until the next one, which will be tomorrow, tomorrow morning, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.
It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. 